entitled Faith School Part 2, and this is week number four. This is week four. Last week, we talked about faith to see. I would encourage you to go back and to listen to that and any other, the, other, the other messages that are in this sermon series as well. You can go to our Facebook page. You can download our app, uh, our little notes that will be from this message and all previous messages. You can listen to uh, the messages as well on the app. And uh, that is a resource that is available for you as well. Just want to remind you guys of that. But I'm excited about this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. And let's just open up in prayer. Lord, we thank you for another awesome opportunity it is to come into your presence, just to hear from you, for you to, clear, to speak clearly to our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would just center us and let us focus in on you. I bind hindrances and distractions that will try to hinder what you're trying to do this morning and speak to our hearts. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that the words that I speak will be of you and not of me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So this week, we're talking about faith to believe. Faith to believe. You said, well, last week we talked about faith to see. Well, seeing and believing are two different things. It's not necessarily the same thing because I can look at you right now and I can see you. It doesn't take any faith to do that because I see you. So things that you can see, it doesn't take faith to believe that because you can see it with your eyes. But there are some things that you don't see that it's going to take faith to believe those things. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning and how faith and how faith plays a big part of what we believe. But before we get into the message, I just want to share some thoughts about belief. Belief or believing in something is a powerful thing. When you truly believe in something, the human mind can will itself to do so many different things if you just truly believe. The power of belief. You know, so many people say, I just believe that I could, like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And he willed himself over the hill to get across the track. But if you just will yourself or you just believe, you, you could do some powerful things. I'm reminded of a time uh, back in college when we were playing baseball at Southern. Uh, our school, Southern, was known, is known for, uh, and especially in baseball, uh, producing a lot of major league players. A lot of players get drafted. We have a really good baseball program, so we were always the target of everyone in our conference. So anytime people will play against us, with no matter how sorry their record was, they would always play us the like it was their World Series every time that they played us. And we played in the SWAC conference, and we won so much that we just started saying it. SWAC stands for Southern Wins Another Championship. Like, that's how much we would win. And that was, when I was there, it was no different. We were in our heyday, and I got there in 2003. In 2003, we had the number two overall pick in the Major League Draft, Ricky Weeks, which is incredible from an HBCU, that in the entire draft out of college and high school, he was the second player picked in the draft. So we had a lot of expectations, and we had a lot of, I don't want to say pressure, but it was just high expectations. And we knew we were good. And so that was why, a big reason why people wanted to beat us, because they, they knew we were good, and they wanted to beat us. But anyway, fast forward to 2000, and we won in 2003, 2004, we came back, and everybody knew on the team that they were going to get drafted. Like, everybody just knew that they were going to get drafted. And sure enough, eight players on that team got drafted. Nine people can play, eight got drafted. So eight, but the thing was, we didn't win the championship that year. 
The reason we didn't win is because everybody was worried about, I'm getting drafted. And they cared about themselves. They didn't do anything as a team. So we rolled into 2005 where we just lost eight players to the draft, including all the seniors that we lost. So now it was kind of like, so what's Southern going to do now? What's Southern going to do now? And we started off the year in 2005, 0 and 10. Now that's pretty hard to do, to start off 0 and 10. We started off the year 0 and 10, and I remember our coach went in the papers there asking him, what's going on with this team? He was like, well, in his, in his way of, of motivating us, he said, well, I'm just looking forward to next year. I'm just, and we, I remember we read that in the paper, and we were like, hold up. What is it? We just played 10 games. What do you mean he, he's getting ready for next year? So I remember we were on a road trip. I don't remember exactly where the road trip was, but I just remember whenever we would go on a road trip, we would get our, um, our luggage, we would get our room assignments, and then we would check in our rooms, and then we would give everybody about 15, 20 minutes, and we would meet in someone's room for a team meeting just to kind of go over what we're doing for the weekend and get time to get focused. But this team meeting was different. We walked in that team meeting, and everybody looked at each other, and our leaders uh, of the team, they were like, listen, guys, we know that we're, we're not playing to our abilities right now. Let's do this for us. Let's not worry about the coaches. We're not worried about the fans. Let's just do this for us, and let's come together, and let's just show them what we can do. And I'm telling you, there was a belief that came over that room, and something changed inside of us. So what we started doing was every road trip and every home game, we would go out to eat together. We would hang out together as a big group, and we did everything together. And we won like 27 of the next 29 games. And we went on to our conference championship. And the first game of the conference championship, we lost the first game. So now we have to win four games in three days in order to win the championship. And that's exactly what we did. We went on to win four games in three days. And that's when Red Bulls first came out. And they were buying us cases of Red Bull because we were so tired. And we drunk all those Red Bulls. And people were just eyes like this going crazy because we needed the energy. But it was a belief in the room that we were like, no matter what's going on, we believe in one another. And, our, and because of our belief, our actions showed that we trusted one another and we believed in one another. The year before, in 2004, nobody trusted anybody. Matter of fact, we didn't hang out together. We had certain cliques on the team. And I wasn't really a part of a clique. I would just go around to hang out with different. And every time I would, I was like, something feels funny. God said, man, I hope such and such messes up because I want to play. It was a lot of that going on. And 2004 was the most talented team I ever played for. 2005 was the best team I ever played for, all because we believed. We believed. And belief is a powerful thing. I'm thinking about right now at Jackson State, Deion Sanders has turned Jackson State football program around, and he's put the national spotlight on a small HBCU team because he had this one slogan that everything he says is, I believe. That's what he says, I believe. And so he has city officials, government officials, not government, but, but city officials, sponsors, pouring all this money into that small school in Jackson, Mississippi, because he came up with the slogan, I believe. And the power of belief is big. It could get people to, when you get people to believe in something, you could be amazed what, what could happen when you believe. And oh, Dana, the picture, I, I forgot, that I was about to forget it. This is the picture of when we won the, the championship in 2005. It was in Birmingham, Alabama. Funny story about the championship game. 
the, we were about to win the game, and at this time, it's about 1 o'clock at night, in the morning. Like, we played that long throughout the day. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, and we were about to score the winning run, and you'll never guess what happened. Gunshots. It was a gang shootout behind the field, and so every police officer in Birmingham, it seemed like, was there in a matter of 10 minutes, and the coach for the other team, he said, oh, I'm, it's not safe for us to play. I'm like, what you mean it's not safe? They got all the cops in Birmingham here. This is the safest place to be right now. So they made us po uh, postpone the game, and so we had to wake up the next morning and play the game, which took like five minutes. And we had to put on those same dirty uniforms that we had wore the whole day before, and it was, it was horrible. <laughs> but hey, we still won the championship. Thank you for the picture, Dana. But belief. Belief is a major, major thing, and belief plays a big part of your faith. And what I was just talking about, that had nothing to do with faith. That had nothing to do with the things of God, but it just shows you to go, when you truly believe in something, things can change around. Things can turn when you truly believe. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe it, you, that, you've, that you've received it, it will be yours. So today I want to talk about some things that happen when you believe. These are a few things that you, will take place when you believe. And, and you can take notes, you can write these down, and the notes are on the app as well. But the first thing that happens when you believe is your actions change. When you truly believe, your actions change change. When I truly believe in something, my actions change. I believe that the enemy, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. In John 10, 10, it says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I truly believe that, that the enemy wants to destroy everything in your life. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to come in and wreak havoc in your life. I truly believe that. And if I truly believe that, then that means that I'm going to take some proper actions in my life to safeguard what the enemy is trying to do against me. Yeah. So that means that there are certain things that I have to make sure that I'm not allowing open doors in my life for the enemy to come in. So if I know his job is to steal, kill, and destroy, then on my part, my actions to my belief in that says that, then what am I going to do to make sure that I'm closing all doors to make sure he doesn't have room to get in to do those things? Because my belief matches my actions. So I believe that. Guess what? Now my actions have to match my belief. I also believe that the enemy hates marriage, and he wants to destroy marriage and anything that he can do. I truly believe that. And so because I believe that, I also believe that I would never cheat on tomorrow. I would never cheat on her. But just because I believe that or I say that, that means I have to make some actions in my life to make sure that that doesn't happen. So what does that mean? That means I set boundaries in my life. That means that one thing is this, one thing I don't do, I don't ride in cars with other women. I just don't. I don't ride in cars with other men. Another thing I don't do, I don't have meetings one-on-one -on -one with other women. If a woman says, hey, I need to meet with you, I'm like, that's fine. Maybe you should just meet with my wife. And she says, well, I want to meet with you. Okay, well, my wife will be present in the meeting as well. But there's certain safeguard, there's certain actions that you do to make sure that, hey, I'm not giving the enemy any room to come in to disrupt, disrupt my marriage because I want to be faithful to my wife. Another thing, I don't have lunch alone with women. I know some people, oh, we just having a little business lunch. Hey, that's cool. I'm just not doing, I'm safeguarding my marriage. I don't text or call on the phone with women. 
Like, tomorrow night, we have the two friends that are, like, brothers and sisters to us. Like, we, they're, like, family, pretty much. They're, like, family to us. But even if I have to ask the wife of our friend something, I was still included in the group text. So it's out in the open. There's no secrecy. There's a, what are y'all talking about? It's right there out in the open. Why? Because I know the enemy hates marriage, and he'll do anything that he can to step into your marriage to try to, uh, to tear it apart, to try to destroy it. So my actions match my belief, meaning that I'm going to set boundaries in my life to make sure that my belief matches my actions. But I have, you have to have faith to believe that, like saying, well, well, well what's going to happen if I don't? Then that's an open door for the enemy to come in. Our actions need to match our belief. Boundaries are my actions that match my belief, and you have to establish those boundaries to safeguard what you're believing from. If God has freed you from addiction, you need to set boundaries in your life that says, I'm not going to go in environments where that's going to cause me to be tempted by what God just freed me from. So it doesn't matter what it is. I just gave that example of my marriage. It could be anything. If you have an issue with gambling, don't go in environments where it's going to tempt you to gamble. Put safeguards in your place. If you're tempted to drink, don't go to places and environments where you know there's going to be drinking. Like, whatever it is, make sure that your actions match your belief. I believe that God has truly set me free. Then place safeguards and boundaries in your life that match that belief. That says, I'm going to make sure that there's boundaries in my life. I'm not crossing these boundaries. Not because I'm fearful. It's because I know that I'm free and I want to stay free. But your, your actions change when you believe. When you truly believe that God has done something miraculous in your life or God is doing something miraculous in your life, your actions begin to change. And it's so, so, so amazing when you can see someone that's first getting saved and you can see over time their lives being changed. You can see their actions change, their, their conversations change. Things in it is why? Because they believe that God is doing something in their life and they don't want to mess that up. It's like, God, I want to be faithful to you so their actions match their belief. So that's the first thing. When you believe in something, your actions change. The second thing that happens is when you believe, your confidence changes. Your confidence changes. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a good verse. Isaiah 41.10, it says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And lastly, Jeremiah 29.11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If you truly believe those scriptures that we just read, guess what? There's a confidence that rises on the inside of you. There's a confidence that says, oh my gosh, God has a plan for me. It's a, he has a hope and a future for me. It's not, he's not meant for bad things to happen to me. It's good things that happen to me, that God will strengthen me. When you believe those scriptures, guess what? There's an inner strength and an inner confidence that comes on the inside of you because you believed in those scriptures. That's why it's so important to get into the word of God, because it builds your inner strength. It builds an inner confidence on the inside of you that says, you know what? It doesn't matter what the enemy throws my way. I believe these scriptures and I'm confident that my God will come through. 
I'm confident that my God will provide. I'm, con- I'm confident that my God will deliver, that my God will set free, that my God will do all the things that he's promised to do because I believe in the scripture. But there's a confidence that comes on the inside of you when you believe in the word of God. When you're in a season of waiting for the promises of God to be fulfilled in your life, you must find ways to build your confidence in God. Get in the word, get in his presence. Bring, all these things bring confidence that you need to endure. So if you want to endure in the midst of uncertainty and, and waiting on the promises of God, get in his word. Get in his presence. Build your confidence because that's going to give you the confidence that you need to endure until you receive the promise. Because if you don't get in the word and you don't get in, the, in his presence, then your confidence, is, it starts to shrink away. And then you start to question God. And then you start to doubt God. And then you go, well, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. And that confidence dwindles away. But when you get in the word and you get confident and you hold on to it, that scripture's for me. I believe that scripture is for me. When you ever got a scripture that gets spoke to you and you say, oh, that's for me. What did that do to your faith? It ignited your faith. And you say, I can overcome this. I can do this. Why? Because there was an instant confidence that came on the inside of you because you truly believed. That's why it's so important. You have to have faith, and you have to have faith to believe. I can read all these scriptures, but if you don't have faith to believe, then guess what? It won't mean anything to you. But you have to have faith to believe the scriptures will say and do exactly what they say they will do. And if you do that, guess what? There's a confidence that comes on the inside of you. It's a confidence. Also, when, it talk, when you're talking about confidence, you have to eliminate anything or any person that discourages your confidence in God. Eliminate anything or any person that discourages your confidence in God. You can't give an ear to everyone. You cannot give an ear to everyone. When you start talking about the things of God and you're excited about it and somebody tries to change the subject or say, it don't take all that or I don't want to talk about it, and they try to discourage you in the things of God, that's a person you need to run from. You need to be around people. When you start sharing what God is doing in your heart, they get excited too, and they get more excited than you. You're like, whoa, what is that? Because they're igniting your faith, and they bring a confidence inside of you that says, I'm on the right track. I'm, I, I know this must be God because now they're excited about it too. But when people start to discourage the things of God and the confidence out of you, be careful. There was a time in my life, I, would, I remember there was a, uh, a person that, um, a leader that I was like, hey, I feel like God is, is calling me to ministry. And every time I would say that, I just don't see how that's going to happen. It's not going to happen here. And I'm like, what you mean it's not going to happen here? I just said I felt called to ministry. But every time I would bring it up, he would, it's like he would try to discourage me from being called to the ministry. Like it, was, like it wasn't for me. It wasn't obtainable for me. And after a while, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to just stop talking to him about this. Because after every time I bring it up with my excitement, it's like I feel discouraged when I walk away from him. So you can't, you can't give an ear to everyone because not everyone is for you. Not everyone is going to share the same belief and confidence in God that you do. And if you find that, you say, you know what, I just know, hey, we might be cordial, but I can't share the things that God is doing in my heart with you. I can't trust you with that because my confidence is being diminished, not being strengthened. When you talk to people about the things that are going on inside of you, there should be an extra confidence that comes after the conversation, not you feeling discouraged. So you can't give an ear to everyone 
when it comes to the things of God that he's doing in your heart. Make sure you, that's why we start in life groups. Life groups is a great place to be for you to get around other believers that's going to help build your confidence in the things of God. Because you're going to have conversations that is going to begin to spark and it's going to begin to take place. And you can say, oh, I, I walked through that too and I over, and, and it's going to strengthen you. It's going to build a confidence inside you. Say, oh, if they overcame, I could do it too. If God did it for them, he could do it for me too. What is that? It's building your confidence. But you have to have faith to believe that God can do that. Faith to believe that God can do it. Build your confidence on the inside of you. And the third and final thing that confidence does first, confidence, well, when you believe, it change, your actions change. The second thing is your confidence change. And the third thing is this. Your circumstances change. Your circumstances change. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come, come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God rewards those who seek him sincerely, who sincerely seek him. The only way that it is possible is by faith that he could turn your situation around or your circumstances around. Everybody walks through situations and circumstances. No one is exempt. But there has to be a faith inside of you that says, God, I believe that you could turn this situation around, but also that you are faithful and that you reward those that sincerely, one translation says, diligently seek you. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him or sincerely seek him. And as long as you Make it in your heart to sincerely see God. Guess what? He will reward you. Amen. Now, the tricky part of it is it doesn't say when it's going to happen. That's the, now, that's the, that's the flip side to that. He will reward you. He never tells you when it's going to happen. We want our circumstances to change. We just don't know when they're going to happen. But that's why it takes faith to believe that my circumstances will change. Because I don't know when they're going to change. I just believe that they will. All of us are walking through things, and we want it to end now, like right now. Like in this second, God, what I'm walking through, please stop it right now. But guess what? It doesn't always work like that. But you have to have the faith to believe. Even though I don't see my circumstances changing, I know that they will one day. So I have faith to believe that they will change, even though around me it doesn't even look like it will. I'm reminded of examples in the scriptures there in uh, Mark chapter 5, the woman with the issue of blood, she had the faith to say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I can be healed. And it seems like she was instantly healed in that moment, which she was. But she walked through 12 years before she received her healing. Something tells me that she just didn't all of a sudden get faith in that moment when she saw Jesus. Something tells me that she already had faith to believe that her situation could change. Now she just walked into her, this is my moment. I'm going, to I'm going to take hold of my faith that I have, and I'm going to touch him and receive my healing. But it took her 12 years. And we want our situations. God, change it immediately. Sometimes he can. He will perform a miracle. He can change it like that. But most times, they don't immediately change. That's why you need faith to believe. I'm also reminded of blind Bartimaeus. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. But he was sitting there, and they said, Jesus is coming. He cried out, God. Uh, please, Jesus, son, please heal me. And he said, be quiet. No, he screamed even louder. But something tells me that he already had faith inside of him to believe that I'm going to be healed. 
And he recognized that this was my moment. But he went all those years without his circumstances changing. But he never lost faith. Because I know, you say, well, how do you know that? Because if he had lost faith, he would have never cried out to Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, if she had lost faith, she would have never reached out to Jesus. So even in the midst of their circumstances not changing, they still believe. And we have to say, God, even though my circumstances haven't changed and I don't see how they're going to change around me, guess what? I still have faith to believe. Will God turn your circumstances around? Yes. When does he do it? I don't know. But you have to have faith to believe that one day he will. He will turn my circumstances around. Is it painful to walk through? Yes, it is. But what's the alternative? To doubt God? To question God? To try to do things in your own strength that never work out? God says, I need you to have faith to trust me. Just believe. Have faith to believe that I can turn, turn your circumstances around, even if it don't look like they will. And that's hard. I remember I was uh, teaching in school, and I knew in about, I think, April, that I wasn't going to return back to school. So I, I was like, I need a job. Obviously, my, my, I know my last paycheck was like in June, I believe. And so I had from April to June to find a job. The only problem was, Nobody was calling me back for interviews. And so the months and months and weeks and weeks kept going by, and I was like, God, I have faith to believe you're going to give me a job. I just believe it. And every, every application I would fill out, nothing. I, hit, well, I mean, I, I know I filled everything out correctly, and uh, I know I'm qualified. No, nothing. Never heard any. So now it's June, and it's two weeks before my last paycheck. I'm like, God, I got bills. I got one more paycheck coming. And then I don't know what I'm going to do. Surely, but the last paycheck I received, literally the day the direct deposit hit my account, I got a call that said, hey, we would like to offer you this job at a bank. And I'm telling you, there was a shout in the camp. <laughs> I was like, God, I knew you would turn my circumstances around. It felt like I don't know how it was going to happen. But I still have faith to believe that he was going to turn my circumstances around even before he did. But guess what? What if God doesn't turn your circumstances around? Will you still believe? Will you still believe he's a good God if he doesn't turn your circumstances around? Because Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Dane, if you don't have that, I added this late. I'm sorry. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It says, all these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from the distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. So what does that mean, that last part? They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth, meaning that they knew that they had a greater reward for them in the afterlife. They knew that heaven was my permanent home. So even if I don't receive the promise here on earth, guess what? I'm going to receive it in heaven. Think about Abraham. God told Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. Abraham died waiting on that promise to happen. He didn't see that promise fulfilled, but guess what? We're living it out. God didn't lie. We're, we're seeds and we're children of Abraham. His promise was fulfilled. He just didn't see it here on earth. But guess what? When we get to heaven, we can embrace him and says, Abraham, thank you for your faith. Because of that, I'm here with you. He had faith to believe 
even though he didn't receive the promise here on earth. So you have to say, God, even if you don't turn my circumstances around, I know that my reward in heaven is great. Why? Because I have faith to believe that it would happen. So some people come to God only for their circumstances to change. I'm tired of my life. It's going bad. And they look at God like a genie. Like, God, if I have faith, you're going to turn it around. But what if it doesn't? Will you still believe? Is he a good God still? Because what happens if we don't believe is, again, you start to question. Is God really for me? Does he really have good things in store? Does he really care about me? Does he not know what's going on? Does he not know how I feel? Does he not know what I'm walking through? Have to have faith to believe. Faith to believe even though my circumstances feel like they're not changing. God, I've been praying for months. God, I've been praying for years. When is it going to change? Have faith to believe. Have faith to believe that he will turn your circumstances around. And lastly, about your circumstances changing, sometimes it does take faith to believe, but sometimes it takes obedience for your circumstances to change. There are some things that takes faith for you to overcome. Then there are smaller things or other things that God is just saying, are you being obedient to the word that I spoke to you? Because if you were, then your circumstances would immediately change because you're being obedient to what I said. I think about Jonah. God spoke specifically to Jonah, go to Nineveh and and deliver this message to the people. He said, okay, I'm going the other way. He said, the word says that he ran from God because he's like, I'm not doing that. I don't like those people. I'm not going there. Found himself on the ship. They go in this storm and your boy is down there sleeping. Everybody on the boat is panicking. They're like, what is going on? He's down there sleeping. They wake him up, and it's like, pray to your gods to find out what is going on. So they cast lots, and they find out who was the guilty person. And it was him. He said, well, throw me into the sea, and then the storms will stop. And immediately they did. And then he got swallowed up in the belly of a big fish. And then it was down there for not even immediately, three days later. He said, you know what? God, you were right. I'll be obedient. I'll go. And say, but what, what, what is the point of me telling that story? Is this is that sometimes if you're not obedient to God, your circumstances can get worse. They could get worse or they never change because you're not being obedient to what God has already spoken. So sometimes you have, we have to examine. I'm talking about myself too. I have to, if, my, if I'm looking at my circumstances and I'm like, they're not changing, I say, did God speak to me about something that I'm not being obedient to? Because it could be that one little thing that could turn it around if I would just obey his command, if I just obey his voice. But that's why it's so important that we always tell Camden, Camden, slow obedience is no obedience. Jonah had slow obedience. He eventually got it right, but he had to go through all that to get it right. It's much easier to obey God as soon as he speaks it, go ahead and do it. Because that could be the difference between your circumstances sometimes changing is just being obedient. One simple thing about being obedient, your circumstances can change. But we have to say, God, I trust you. No matter what, if my circumstances change or not, I have faith to believe that you're a good God and that you will turn them around. And if I don't receive it here on earth, guess what? I know I'll receive it in heaven because he is a good God. And he, his promises are yes and amen. They don't come back void. He's not a liar. He's not a man that he should lie. His words is true. We have to take faith and say, you know what? 
I have faith to believe. I believe. Just say it out of your mouth. Like, God, I believe. I believe you, God. When you have faith to believe, your actions change. When you have faith to believe, your confidence changes. And when you have faith to believe, your circumstances eventually, I don't know when, but they change. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. I believe. I believe. God, I just trust you right now. I believe that your word is true. I believe it says and it does exactly what it says that we would do. Your promises are yes and amen. And I thank you right now for all of us that are walking through circumstances and difficulties right now. Give us the faith to believe that our circumstances would change. And even in the midst of that, Lord, give us boundaries and, and things that we could put in place to safeguard our belief, Lord God, with our actions that our actions will begin to change to match our belief that we trust in you and that we serve you and that we honor you, that our actions will begin to change. And I thank you for your presence and your scriptures that's given us a confidence, a confidence on the inside of us that strengthen us to endure any obstacle, through it, to endure any circumstance that we walk through. We need your strength, Lord God. Not our own strength, not our own confidence and our own intellect or our own might, but, Lord, we need the strength and the confidence that only comes by the Holy Spirit. And I thank you that we receive it this morning. If you believe that, say, God, I receive it. We receive it this morning, Lord Jesus. We thank you. Lord, we love you so very much. You're a good father. You are a good, good father. You desire good things for us, Lord God. There's nothing that takes you by surprise. There's nothing that's going on that you don't know about. You know all of our situations. You know all the things that are troubling our hearts. And I just pray that in this moment that we have faith to believe that you see and that you will change it, Lord God. We believe you this morning. We go out this morning saying, God, I believe. God, I have faith to believe in you. God, I have faith to believe in your word that you will turn my circumstances around. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. I just want to give one final invitation for those of, of you under the sound of my voice that you don't have a relationship with God or maybe one time you had a right relationship with him, but you backslid and you want to come back to him today. I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ. Whether you're watching online or you're in the room, this is your moment. This is your moment for your circumstances to change right now. This is a moment right now for salvation to enter your heart and your eternal resting place will change in a moment. I just want to give you that opportunity to receive Jesus in your heart. If you're in the room and you say, I want to come back to Jesus or I want to dedicate my life to the Lord, if that's you, just lift your hands and I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart and just to repeat this after me. Say, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this moment, my moment, that I can come to you and surrender my life and to receive your forgiveness. I thank you that you're purging me and cleansing me of all sin. I repent of my sin and lay it down right now at the foot of your cross. And I thank you that in return, that I am forgiven, that I am washed clean, that I'm made whole, and that I am a child of God. I love you, 
I honor you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer and you're in the room and there's a, in the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back of it, it says, I made a decision. You can fill that out, drop it in the offering bucket on the, on the way out. And also, if you're online and you uh, prayed that prayer, just drop a comment in the comment section, letting us know that you made a decision. We'd love to reach out with you and connect with you throughout the week. But man, that is it. Week four, I believe. Say, I believe. I believe. Faith to believe. But before we disconnect with you guys from online, we would like to give you an opportunity to give. Uh, there's a couple ways you could do that. You could go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org. On the homepage, there's a uh, tab that says give online. You can go there. You can download our app, the New Life Church of Mobile app. You can give on the app, or you can also go to our Facebook page or website for the address and mail in a check or money order. But we're going to pray for the tithe and offering uh, for you online, and then we'll disconnect with you guys online. Lord, we thank you. Lord God, today, we thank you for your word that it, it produces life, Lord God. And I thank you that the word today encourages us, Lord God, throughout our everyday life. And I pray right now for the, the tithe and offering that's coming in today. I pray that you would bless it, that you would stretch it. I pray that each and every person that's given, Lord God, that you would bless them, bless their family. Thank you for promotions, raises, increases coming their way. I thank you for it as we trust and believe in you, that you are a God that provides for us, provide everyone's needs. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in online with us. We love to invite you to Wednesday night prayer this Wednesday, 630. But also next Sunday, join us in the building at 7, I'm sorry, at 10 a.m. For, uh, for church service next Sunday. Invite someone, come worship with us. We love to see you in the building next Sunday at 10, but also this Wednesday for prayer at 630. We love you guys. Have a great, great Sunday and a good week.